0: Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, uh, three Marxist rants in a trench coat masquerading as a girlhood podcast. My name is Alexa Rayhack. I'm a comedian and a storyteller. I use she, her pronouns.
1: My name is Micah Silvern, and I am a child care provider, and I use they, them pronouns. Uh, today we are watching...
0: Uh, We're watching the, the 80s classic Dirty Dancing, the sleepover hit Dirty Dancing.
1: I feel like it's been, like, a milestone in every girl's life in our generation of, like... Right. We've all just stared at Patrick Swayze or Jennifer Grey in the sleep basement of our friend's house and just dreamed of (laughs) learning how to dance from one of them. Oh, yeah. I feel like... (laughs) I feel like we keep choosing very iconic bi-movies for this podcast.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we can only hide so much of ourselves. That's true. (laughs)
1: Uh... I love this movie. It's pretty simple and pretty, like, plot light and heavy on dancing, but it's it makes me feel good, and I get to drool over Patrick Swayze's mullet.
0: Yeah, let's skip through that light plot you mentioned really fast. Um, yeah, uh, baby Hausman goes to a camp in the Catskills with her family. She falls in with the... Um, with the entertainment staff she ends up filling in for a dancer who has to have an abortion and various class struggles ensue there's a lift we're done right yeah lift actually lift actually is like 20 30 minutes into this movie like
1: yeah the lift is like pretty quick in the plot but then there's also the one at the end but, but anyway it, Anyway, you've seen Dirty Dancing. If not, welcome to the 2000s.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know 20s- how
1: you... Oh, God, it was, it's, time is weird. I don't like... It's not the 2000s anymore. Yeah, follow us on Twitter. You can find us at Anthro267. Uh, you can also find us there on Instagram. Uh, if you want to send us an email, you can email us at... girlhood at gmail.com
0: leave us a review um hit us up on apple podcasts whenever itunes finally approves us hit up our patreon we're gonna be putting up a discord for y'all to talk about the movies and vote on future ones and some other goodies as they develop uh yeah go go find the patreon
1: quick trigger warning we mentioned in the plot summary, uh, there is talk about abortion during this. So, just so you're aware, uh, have a wonderful sunny afternoon.
0: I think this. It's weird that this movie has such a like, such a like place of honor in the world of like teen sleepovers you yeah know? yeah i think that's like because i think i got introduced to this movie by uh, my mom when i was a kid which okay connie look i don't <laughs> think i don't think you should use my mom as any kind of yardstick for parenting of any kind um but i don't know like it does it does feel like a movie that even though it is entirely inappropriate for kids, it's somehow like super appropriate for kids.
1: Yeah, I um, so I didn't get introduced to Dirty Dancing until college, or well, at least sat down and watched it. I like had been absorbed a little bit of it through pop culture, as you always do. Like I knew the lift, I kind of knew... can't
0: avoid it. Yeah, right.
1: But I definitely. I think I was around baby's age when I first saw it. And it was very, it really hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting. And I, it resonates with me in a way that I still connect with. Cause not to sound like every teenage girl who watches this movie, but I'm baby. (laughs) Like.
0: Yeah, you, you are. I am. Including a lot of her like toxic. Bullshit, Oh, frankly. yeah. Oh, no. Not to I, call you out no. on the podcast right no, now. No, I...
1: Like, you've known me for a long time, and you know how much I've been working on, like, deprogramming the, like, white savior, the, the like... The classism. classism, yeah. Yeah, like, I... It's... So, like, having... I really... Uh, I really connected with the, like, wanting to be corrupted wanting to like live in the real world and not stay in this idolized reality and although i think it's bullshit that you need a man to tell you teach you how to do it um i really connected with that and really was like oh i can do it it's possible, but it also, like, was one of my first wake-up calls that was like, oh, this is, you're, you're fucking up, bud. This is not how you want to do this.
0: Yeah, I think this is a good, like, awakening movie. I think we probably watch a lot of those, like, you know, that was the summer that changed everything kind of, uh, kind of movies. Yeah. But this is one of those.
1: You know, like, especially, like, as a kid who spent a lot of time at family camps like this and, like, had one that we went to for fucking a decade or something crazy like that, that I both went as a camper and a staff member, that kind of environment is just asking you to, like, change your opinion on something and to really, like, take a moment to step away from your family and realize, like, what their interactions are like with the world.
0: Totally. Totally. I think like I mean not to be like a couple of camp kids pitching camp but like I there's a lot of lot to be said for getting out of your environment, getting out of your friend group, getting out of your town just to like do anything different for a week or whatever, however long.
1: I I stand by the fact that every kid should experience camp at some point because camp is like is such a step out of your comfort zone, no matter what, like you, it is that loss of your friend group support. It's the loss of your environment, the loss of your routine. Uh, yeah. And it's like a kid's first chance to take some steps without safety nets that they've might not realize how much they're relying on. Totally. And I think that having an environment like that with your parents is an interesting way to start analyzing your parents cuz you like
0: yeah i'm i i'm unfamiliar with this family camp thing i went the camp that i went to was not like this at all
1: i yeah it the one i went to was like a week long and it was very much like camp it was camp but you just like your family was there and it was so it was very weird cuz you would want to go and do camp things But then your parents and your little sibling is there. And, like, especially, like, as I got older and was, like, closer to a teenager, I was, like, I don't want to do camp things. I just want to hang out with the staff because they seem really cool. right?
0: And it is true. Staff
1: parties are
0: wild. And the staff parties in this movie look, like, so much fun. Which, like, is also a theme, like, to go back to, and there's going to be a lot of parallels here, but to go back to Hairspray... Like, in both of those movies, it's really obvious that the, like, people of color and the, like, working class people are just, like, objectively having more fun. They have better parties. They're more relaxed. The music is better. It's like, white people, we know how terrible and boring we are. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's very
0: true. We should get into the, like, nuts and bolts of this movie a little bit.
1: I have a lot of feelings about the
0: nuts and bolts of this movie. Um. Yeah. So, if you are unacquainted, I don't know how you could possibly not have seen *Dirty Dancing*. Like, welcome to the future. How how did your the cryo experiment go? <laughs> are you are awake from the nineteen sixties? What's going on?
1: Did you enjoy the rock you were living on?
0: Yeah. Um. So this movie is about um baby houseman who goes to a summer camp in the catskills with her family and sort of falls in with the staff at the camp and ends up filling in for a dancer and dancing a bunch with patrick swayze right yeah they do a lift she wears a white top in the water it's iconic <laughs>
1: it's a very plot light movie which it
0: definitely is we both kind of watched this and like my notes were like a qu- a quarter to a third just like what are we gonna talk about there's just another dance montage like this movie the runtime of this movie is like an hour 40 and i would bet i said this to micah while we were watching it once like this movie's an hour and 40 minutes long, but it has to have a 45 page script. Like it's, so light on dialogue this movie and is it's a, so heavy on dancing
1: this movie is definitely like a solid third of it is just a dance montage it's
0: just dance montage
1: watching patrick swayze dance i'm not gonna complain
0: yeah at least the dancing is good and they're both i mean look they're both very attractive i also feel like maybe this is just us projecting our gay shit onto this but like we always pick movies that are like p- have like a perfect bisexual overlap oh yeah because man if if you aren't attracted to both patrick swayze and um jennifer gray in this movie your your blood You're ain't, your blood ain't red i don't know you, what to tell you i <laughs> i
1: don't know what there's that moment that this is like my bisexual heart just melts every time I watch the scene where baby is learning to dance and is like dancing with Johnny and Penny, his old partner is like it's right like behind, her. behind
0: her with her hand on her, on her back
1: and just like leading her. and Oh, God. <sighs> oh. <laughs> oh, boy. But, yeah, I love this movie because it's also an interesting film. It's not just, like, a one-note kind of film. Like, there's interesting use of sound. There's interesting use of lighting. There's interesting shots. And, like, it's actually interesting to watch from a film perspective.
0: I think it's definitely, like, of the movies we've watched so far, it definitely, I think, is maybe the most filmic that way like absolutely it has the most like film weirdness and trickery happening like i remarked in my notes that like there's a lot of funny music cues which like i i always i watch everything with subtitles because i can't process audio to save my life so very often like somebody will say something and then the music will kick in and do like a punchline or a button on the thing that they said Absolutely. but if you didn't hear if you didn't catch the first line of the song you wouldn't know like there's a scene where gray and swayze are dancing together and she can't figure out the steps and she steps on his foot and then we cut to wipe out and immediately and it's like the uh, just the a cute little cue but that shit is all over the place in this
1: movie it is and there's this uh, reoccurring red light whenever like any like sinful corruption is happening like it's in on the staff uh, parties all the time right. it comes in in the last scene when everyone starts like right actually... when everyone
0: starts dancing and everyone starts having fun suddenly the light turns red yeah, yeah.
1: And I, like, really love that. And there's just, like, fun little visual storytelling bits that I really love. Like, watching Baby's outfits change through the dance montage as she gets more comfortable with her body. They become a little bit more loose and, like, dancer-like and not so much just sweaters.
0: I think that's a fun arc of this movie, right? Like, one of the things we like to talk about in this podcast is, like, what does this movie think growing up means? Right. Like, what does this movie think it requires of you to grow up to become an adult? And like, I really think that like, I mean, there's the political message, right? Like Mm -hmm. this movie would I think the director would tell you outright this movie would tell you to take a stance right that like the director would say this is a movie about standing up for yourself and standing up for other people and that's what makes you an adult and that is a read on it i think that's not an incorrect read but like there's another read of this movie where it's about learning to inhabit your body absolutely and especially as a woman learning the sort of traps and travails of of having a body and of moving through the world with a feminine body. Whether how much of that is intentional is interesting to think about, but it's definitely strong in this movie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I definitely love the like arc of baby coming from like the awkward I carried a watermelon trying to flirt. I
0: carried a watermelon. A <laughs> oh, watermelon.
1: What? Come on. Favorite. Um, I love that bit. Um, but, and then, too, you have this scene where, the scene where you have Grey and Swayze uh, messing around and, like, just lip singing to each other, and she's getting sassy and, like, knows how to take up space better. Right, right. And it's really, it's really nice to see A movie and a person be able to take up space without having to change much about themselves and just learning to inhabit the space that they're taking.
0: Totally. And that is definitely a trick about growing up that nobody really actively teaches you. And I think especially if you have an unusual or non-standard body for whatever reason, if you're trans, for example, or if you're fat, for example, some things we know some things about, like it's even harder to feel like you can inhabit your body because, you know, the messages aren't for you.
1: Right. Yeah. But
0: an interesting thing, I wanted to pivot away super fast to talk about that lip sync scene. Yeah. Because I did a bunch of research more than usual because this movie is so thin. And it turns out that scene is was, like, improvised. They were, like, trying to get into character and just sort of, like, fucking around and didn't know anybody was rolling. And I, I thought that I read that in between my first and second viewing. And it really is interesting because it's, like, that feels like one of the few moments where... Jennifer Gray is sort of let loose. Yeah. Right? Like absolutely. it feels like baby is really consciously like held back a lot of the time. Yeah. And that feels like one of the moments where she gets to really like live fully in her body for a minute. And then knowing that it was improv definitely feels like maybe this is a director problem. Yeah. Or a script problem. I feel like I don't want to talk shit about this script, but like I feel. Feel like it needed a second pass.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, like, baby on paper versus reality is really interesting because she's like supposedly this very, like, aware, political th- thinking, like, sassy in some spots. Like, she has some bite to her, uh-huh. but she doesn't really ever get a chance to show it off. And it seems very much like more of a writing. A situation and not so much, like, the lack of Jennifer Gray's acting ability. Because you see in that moment, like, she understands Baby. She has Baby as a full, realized human being. But Baby just isn't... Baby's put in a corner and doesn't have a chance to really shine out the best uh, she can. And doesn't really feel like a fully fleshed-out character through a lot of the movie. Totally,
0: Which is unfortunate, like, I... This movie might hate women. Yeah. Like, uh, this movie has a female writer, but, you know, a male director. And, like, I, I don't know. Like, all of the women in this movie are super one note. Like, even Baby is kind of – she's kind of a cipher, right? Like, right. she's kind of a – a nothing character that you can project yourself onto, which I think is why this movie contributes to this movie being so seminal for so many people. Absolutely. But, like, the mother character, her mother is, like, kind of nothing. She has basically no lines. She's, like, kind of, like, daft and absent the whole movie. And then Penny, the girl who gets pregnant and um, Johnny's dance partner, is, like, the only real woman with any real lines yeah i mean there's the sister who has five lines and who's fucking terrible
1: yeah her whole personality is i'm jealous of my sister right
0: but like every woman in this movie is either a plot to teach someone something or is literally just there to state the obvious and have have one of the men have someone to talk to
1: yeah and half the time the men are talking over them and like talking for them
0: and making decisions for them, and it's and it's unfortunate because it it, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel pointed, right? right? Like I feel like there's a movie that you could make about being a girl in the nineteen sixties and being a political girl and having you know sort of cassandra syndrome where like you're screaming and you're yelling and you're trying to tell people all this important stuff and no one's listening because you're a woman right like that would be a way more interesting movie that's not this movie no this movie just wants to tell a story about a girl but doesn't actually want to involve women in it in any way
1: yeah i have a feeling that the script had a lot more bite and life in it because, Maybe, yeah, because like there are some lines that like I feel like really shine out. Like, there's a moment in the beginning of the movie when they're arriving at the camp and uh baby and her father are listening like tragedies that have happened, and it seems like baby like actually knows what's going on in the world and like has some like current events that she can talk about.
0: But then it never becomes anything. Exactly, it's just like oh she can quote political events that happen but like it doesn't mean anything she's not you know protesting she's not like making a zine she's not whatever raising money for a thing to do a thing speaking of that scene where they're listing tragedies by the way like they get out of the car this is like eight minutes into the movie they get out of the car they arrive at camp and they're like listing tragedies. Jerry Orbach's like, "That's not a tragedy. A tragedy is th- miners th- trapped tra- trapped in a mine." And Jennifer Gray says, "Yeah, a tragedy is is a monk setting himself on fire in protest." We looked it up. That happened three two months before this movie happened. Too soon, baby. That just happened too soon. Yes, Jesus
1: talk about gray humor um <laughs>
0: <laughs> boo i'm sorry boo on that joke that was boo. a terrible joke boo, on, so... boo on your house
1: <laughs> dishonor on my cow
0: <laughs> thank you that's what i was shooting for
1: uh, yeah and like there are parts in this movie Where there are lines, and, like, Baby's father in particular, I, like, find really irritating because he does, like, talk for his daughters a lot. And he, like, uh, there's a line uh, when he's taking care of Penny after her abortion where he's, like, who's responsible for this woman? Like, a man has to come and step up and talk for her because she can't do it herself. And it's just, like, irks me in all the wrong places.
0: That said... Jerry Orbach is my dad forever. Oh, absolutely! I just like I, he's all of our dads. Jerry Orbach is everyone's dad forever until we all die. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's definitely America's fa- America's father. Um, but yeah, I I feel like this movie was trying to make a point of like women can't talk because men are always talking, but it just like didn't didn't get there. give the
0: women long enough to say anything about it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we mentioned – we've mentioned the writer of this movie. This movie was written by uh, Eleanor Bergstein, who – it's based on her life, I guess. She grew up going to these camps in the 60s with her family. These camps in in the, like, Borscht Belt that, like, really existed and basically existed because Jews weren't allowed in country clubs – at the time and it was a way for like basically for a long time it was a way to get your kids married and paired off and stuff um you know this the central the central mode of gear that turns all of jewish culture is just like getting the kids to marry
1: can you hear my (laughs) eyes rolling oh my god yeah the downplaying of how jewish this camp is really bothered me yeah because like Based on the names alone, you could have had... Like, you've got Grossman and Hausman and...
0: Not even Grossman. It's Pressman. It's Press... that This made me crazy because, like, it's explicitly Jewish, right? Like, the owner is speaking Yiddish throughout the movie, and then especially there's a converse, whole conversation in Yiddish toward the end. And it's, like, so explicitly Jewish, and yet they've, like filed all the serial numbers there's not a goldstein or a Rosenbloom in here anywhere and it makes me fucking crazy it's like because because this is a thing right like We've. We all know that this is going to sound mildly anti-Semitic for me to say, but there's no way we're just going to charge right through it. I have a Jew sitting here in the room with me. <laughs> Everything is fine. This is in fun. We all know that the the Jews exist in Hollywood and the media more than in other industries. Absolutely. Uh, And we're perfectly comfortable representing Jewish stories and using Jewish actors and having them, you know, be in all levels of this industry. However, every time a Jewish person rises to prominence, they have to play Italian or we make a movie about Jews, but we have to take away all the Jewish shit.
1: Yeah, there's never and you can be it can be about a Jewish community. But you can't say it's about a Jewish community. right? Because what people, like, nowadays, Jews get read as white. And we've been really brought into whiteness because in the 60s, y'all wanted to fight black people. And so they were like, you know what? We, we'll take the Jews on this one. <laughs> but... We're still, like, there is still a large amount of anti-Semitism out there, and there's still a large amount of crazy coded bullshit that our stories get skated over, filed down, not talked about.
0: I mean, I feel like we could, the, like, sub-podcast of this podcast is us just like talking about secret anti-semitism in movies oh maybe that'll be a run that we do on the patreon (laughs) because like it's rampant like once you start once you know what to look for once you like get the the rundown of the like stereotypes and the you know the myths and all the toxic bullshit like it's everywhere it's everywhere it's every fairy tale you've ever seen it like, is it's and it's bad
1: there's a long long history of it and it is so grossly embedded in so much of our culture that
0: and it's just so sad because like i don't because like i mean yeah, yeah like this movie could be such a beautiful like jewish piece of media by a jewish writer about the experience of being jewish but again, this movie doesn't have the fucking balls to ever like stand up and say anything. It's always just like, well, this stuff is here. If you want to say something about it, fine. But. I'm not actually saying it so that no one can get mad at me be- for taking a stance. But
1: because you don't say anything, you're just filling the fucking movie full of stereotypes and like, bullshit.
0: Ho- okay, this literally just occurred to me. I might be like a uh, super genius. This movie is Baby.
1: because it's
0: it says that it's saying something right it it would tell you that it has things to say and that it has all these points and it's portraying all these things but in actuality it's facile and it means nothing and when push comes to shove it's it's hollow yeah and it it maybe really has a point that like rich people can't understand what it's like to be poor and that might be the only thing you could really, like, make it stand on its feet about.
1: Yeah, this movie is definitely baby.
0: <laughs> I broke this movie. Anyway, we can hang it up. This podcast could be over now. We're done. <laughs> uh, this has I been a it. great I, run. I cracked it. This has been uh, Anthropology of Girlhood. Uh, <laughs> no, we definitely... I have more. We can't. That is, no. There's so much more. I think that it's interesting. This movie is based on like true events um including the writer said that people did actually call her baby really that summer which is weird like it's one of those names that i always assumed like it's supposed to make her like you know she's an everyman right right like she's, just, she's you're supposed to be able to put yourself on her
1: you can literally put any song and it's talking about her
0: exactly but uh yeah apparently that was a real thing that happened which is like fucking
1: I don't like that. Don't call and me also, baby. And also,
0: apparently, the, like, dalliance with the older man thing is also from real life.
1: Yeah, that doesn't surprise Which, me.
0: Which, yeah, I guess it was 1963. This is not surprising. Men are trash. Men have always been trash, and they did not get less trash anytime time in the past.
1: Talking about men being trash. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. Speaking of men being trash, I, like I said, I did a bunch of research for this movie, and i read this i read i read a bunch of articles but i read this one from thrillist that had this read on this movie where if you look at this movie from johnny's perspective he's a predator like we know from from watching it in the first couple scenes that like he has had like flings with the like bungalow
1: bunnies or bungalow whatever they
0: bunnies, call them. like the campers before And, you know, the owner tells him to cut it out. And when he meets Baby, he has, like, one interaction with her where he kind of basically just negs her and then immediately swoops in with the, like, let me teach you how to dance shit like if you look at it from johnny's perspective it's pretty fucking gross i'm just gonna swoop in on this freshly 18 year old girl (sighs) who doesn't know from doesn't know me from adam like black
1: Yeah, uh, and there's, like, a giant red flag for Johnny in the scene where they're, like, running away to go somewhere. I don't remember where they're going, but he locks his uh, keys in the car, and his first response is to smash the window. Smash the window. Doesn't look around, doesn't think about, like, how to jimmy the lock, just goes, you know what, I'm gonna grab a post, I'm gonna destroy this post, and then smash my car with it.
0: And you know what really gets me is because it's, like, pouring rain in that moment. In that scene. And for me, watching it, I was like, well, yeah, you just want to get out of the rain. Like, it's some it's when you get in the rain, you kind of get, like, panicked, and you're like, ah, oh, I'll do whatever I gotta do to get to get dry. But then, as soon as they cut away, they're driving, like, five minutes later, and it's, like, sunny and nice. And it's like, maybe you could have just sat inside for five minutes, come up with a better plan while you were still dry, and then you wouldn't have had to smash your fucking car. Also. Or, you know,
1: you could have worn an actual raincoat, like, baby, and not a. Allow- Leather jacket to
0: look cool. I get that leather jackets are cool, but they are not practical weather wear, people.
1: I don't think there's a single man in this entire movie that I like. I think the majority of men who have lines in this movie speak way too much and make me want to just punch them in the face.
0: I like Billy.
1: I do like Billy. You're right. Billy's a good kid.
0: Billy, I mean, he basically just exists to facilitate two worlds like the like staff and the camper world like he brings baby into the staff world but i don't know he doesn't do anything terrible or problematic he's always just trying to be helpful that's true there's one redeemable man in this movie
1: and he has the least amount of lines true accurate Listen <laughs> to men just don't talk <laughs> yeah
0: talk less
1: but yeah i think that i was something that i really connected with was her wanting to like everything has a fix everything you can fix anything it's just a matter of how much you work at it right and that was Which something, is,
0: yeah very much like a privileged perspective
1: it really is and it was something that i Still, am re like deprogramming myself as, and is very much like something that I grew up with, being able to fix things because I had safety nets and I had um, the ability to take a moment and find solutions and didn't have to sacrifice things as much. Right, and I think it's interesting watching baby like start to understand the world a little bit better and I think it's really fascinating how well she does it with and like she's very open to it which you don't see a lot of people able to face that in a very open way and like actually taking the criticism and taking in the world as a new as uh, a new view, because, like, like, she wants to help with Penny and, like, does what she can with her privilege to help and, like, doesn't question Penny's, like, she... For all she knows, Penny sleeps around, and this, hap- this has happened before, but she doesn't care. She doesn't ask questions. She just she is, just like... just wants to help. to help. And I think it's a... I think it's an interesting uh, way to introduce people to learning how to deconstruct their privilege. And I think, totally again, if taking a stance on anything, right. it could have been all really powerful. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like, yeah, like this movie, I mean, above all, I think this movie is about class and, you know, poverty and struggle and how, I don't know, I, th- I just think it's really interesting how this movie handles the class distinction because it's like obvious from the beginning, right? Like yeah. we I recruited the 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 staff, the wait staff from Harvard and Yale and oh, here's the entertainment staff. Yeah. Like it's it's obvious from the get and I I don't know the way this movie talks about poverty is honestly like really interesting and really Absolutely. kind of enlightened in a way that you don't really see a lot johnny at one point like when uh he and um baby are in his room he's talking about how like terrible it feels to be broke all the time and to be on this like razor's edge of living paycheck to paycheck and he says i i am nothing because i got nothing yeah and whew, boy like It is so hard not to feel that way in a capitalist system where everything costs money and just existing costs money and trying to do anything or have any kind of life is gated by more money.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, it can be really easy to feel like if you don't have anything, if you don't have money, then you aren't a real person who has value.
1: Yeah, a line that really stuck out to me and is in that same scene of, like, I was living off jujubes last month and now I've got people shoving diamonds in my pocket and, like, not knowing how you're going to survive and, like, watching him have to make the decision of if I leave quietly and don't fight this, I get my bonus. I get, you know, I can walk away with the money that I need. Right. And, like, really illustrating how trapped you get when you don't have the means to help yourself move. Yeah. And then you have the opposite where you have people like Robbie who get rid of all of their problems who like nothing bad, like he just skates through and because he has that privilege and he has that like ability to, and it really, this movie at its core is very much like a contrast of i feel like working class heart versus the audacity of the rich
0: yeah and i think this movie also like it's funny it has a lot of it has a lot of stuff about like the lies that the rich tell the poor to keep them going yeah like that thing you were saying earlier about how like if you just work harder you can fix it you can get out of the situation well like that's capitalist programming like that's what they would want a worker be to do they would want you to just put more hours in at the factory because that's going to make the owner of the factory way more money than it's ever going to make you yeah so yeah i mean there's definitely like i mean here goes that here's that little communist flag going up (laughs) again but like there's definitely some like marxist theory in here right about how like We should all be owners. We should all seize the means of our own production and not have to be at the mercy of camp owners who can throw away our job at a moment's notice.
1: Yeah, the amount of times that the owner or the owner's son like threatens how easily they're replaceable is
0: it's fucking disgusting
1: it makes my blood boil and like
0: people shouldn't be able to i mean people's like life shouldn't be tied to their job that way and you shouldn't be able to just like take it away on a whim because you want to exercise some fucking power fantasy
1: yeah it's it just makes me very sad and very angry yeah
0: it's definitely very sad and angry. Um, since since we're already sad and angry, do you want to talk about Ayn Rand? There's some Ayn Rand. Oh, in this movie. That's, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. So, um, if it's not a big thing in this movie, like if you weren't paying attention, and if you weren't again, like a crazy fucking lefty like i am we weren't, <laughs> like on guard for this shit all the time you, you blink and you could miss it but our our favorite shithead robbie um is talking to baby at one point and he says some people matter and some people don't and then he hands her a copy of the Fountainhead, and I practically threw fucking rotten fruit at the TV. I was so fucking mad. Every time someone hands an Ayn Rand book to to someone else and says like This will change your life," like a communist throws a Molotov cocktail. It's it's oh, it makes me so fucking mad. I, I do, we don't we really don't have time. I could do a whole podcast, a whole separate years-long podcast about like the bullshit about like individualism and objectivism. But suffice to say that that like these this this book maybe less so, but like the books that belong to this ideology, this like individualism trump's collectivism like you should just look out for yourself if everyone just looks out for themselves then the world will be a great place it's some like yeah it's some fucking capitalist it's such bullshit disgusting bullshit
1: yeah i appreciate that you could tell which who is going to be the villain right away because you never trust the someone whose moral compass is ayn Rand
0: never never no never
1: like oh god yeah, I Robbie really is everything wrong in the world, and is absolutely one hundred percent punchable. I I don't yeah. condone violence, but I feel he's like
0: so he's punchable. The, he's he has the got a most face. punchable face,
1: and it's so smirky. Yeah that that line of some people matter and others don't just like. I think I actually threw something at the TV when I watched that. Just,
0: just, just like set on. yourself on fire, my dude.
1: Every person deserves personhood. Everyone.
0: Like, you're not uniquely qualified to be a human being because your daddy's rich. Like, that doesn't mean, <laughs> that doesn't mean anything.
1: No, it does not.
0: Just, we're sort of, we're heading towards the end of the podcast here, I think. I'm pretty much through most of my notes but I did want to bring up a couple of things that are kind of important maybe the choreography from this movie was done by Kenny Ortega who you might recognize because he did choreo on a little movie called High School Musical Um a movie that we have talked about doing for this show but maybe doesn't fit but is just like a it's just it's just a weird connection.
1: He, yeah, he also uh, choreographed uh, Madonna's Material Girls. Oh, yeah. music video. Um, he's I really like his work. I think it's really well done, and I think he did a really good job working with Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey, and their dance numbers are lovely and very well.
0: And I mean, you can tell it. It totally reads that. Swayze was already a dancer. Oh, absolutely. Like he reads like a dancer. Yeah. He's so he's so good in this movie. He's
1: So good in this movie. I think the one thing that we can say for sure that this movie did take a stance on, though, is abortion. Like, I feel like this was a clear like it should be safe, free, and on demand. Yeah, because like the whole like second half of the movie is dealing with the repercussions of having a shitty abortion because they weren't legal and you weren't able to get one. Right, and like
0: if abortions were more available then, you know, there would have been more appointments available and Penny wouldn't have had to miss the performance at the Shell Drake at all.
1: Right. And she wouldn't have to, like, scrounge up $250. 250
0: They should just be free and available. Right? Because, like, medical care shouldn't be a fucking luxury good.
1: No, it should not. I think, yeah, my last couple of notes are just, like, fun little notes. I just want to take a moment to appreciate Patrick Swayze's mullet. Um, oh my god! It's brilliant it's, what and those lovely, beautiful
0: like '60s mullets. That's like quaffed. Oh, it's so good.
1: My other notes are again: this whole movie could have been solved if you talked to somebody. Because for like the second half of the movie, it's Patrick Swayze versus her father because her father thinks that he's the reason Penny had to get an abortion, but he doesn't ever bother to say it was Robbie.
0: Johnny has this weird thing throughout this movie where he just like lets everyone believe that he and Penny are together and that it was Penny, that it was his kid that got Penny, like that he got Penny pregnant. And he just lets a bunch of people believe that for no reason, like to protect the reputation of fucking piece of shit Robbie, like who cares? Is it
1: really worth storming off in a dramatic fashion to take five seconds and go, it was that shithead?
0: No, it's because, it's because of this fucking, like, masculine brotherhood, like, men can't out other men bullshit. We have to, like, work collectively or the women will overtake us, I guess, is the fear.
1: Men, call out your friends because they don't listen to us. They listen to you. Fuck. Uh, and my last note is another shout out to the amazing uh, Miranda Garrison who plays Vivian. She, Vivian has like three lines, but has some amazing little acting moments. Um, she's like one of these bungalow bunnies who's like in love with oh, Patrick Swayze. Yes. Um, and there's this great scene uh, near the end of the movie where uh, Vivian's husband offers Patrick Swayze a bunch of money to give her private dancing lessons one more time. And she's eye fucking him from across the table. And Patrick Spacey stands up for himself and is like, you know what? I don't have time for this. I'm really sorry. Here's your money back. And the downfall and the like oh. shock of it all on her face was just it's a so wonderful beautiful. moment and was so well acted.
0: It's really funny. Okay, so the thing, of, the funny thing about Miranda Garrison is she's not an actress. Really? She was the assistant choreographer on this movie. So what had happened was the woman that they cast to be the mother in this movie, um, I don't remember, I read the article, but it's gone from my brain now. Um, just like totally didn't work. She was just terrible and she didn't get it, or her energy was wrong, or she wasn't getting along with the director, or something. I wonder if
1: that's so why she only has three
0: lines. They got you know. rid of her. Oh,
1: okay. Uh
0: they got rid of that actress. And the woman who was supposed to play Vivian ended up playing the mother. That The woman who plays the mother okay. was supposed to play Vivian. And they literally just grabbed Miranda Garrison because she was on the set and she was a woman and she could act. And because she's just the assistant choreo. They were like, "We don't really need you," and you basically just have to dance and do these three scenes anyway. And she fucking nails it! Like she really did. She's really good. Like she only has a couple scenes, and I mean, a, one, a couple so they're a little bit ham and cheese. But like, like you said, that reaction scene—it's—it's oh, it's a fucking Oscar clip. Like, go back for that shot. The 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 fall of her face is it's chef's kiss it's perfect
1: i feel like this movie really does scream like this was my first feature um at like because it's so surface level and i believe it was the director's first feature film from what i remember reading but i feel like that really contributed to how i feel like it really contributed to how surface level everything's did and I know that there was a lot of like weird shit that happened backstage. and I think it really shows in a lot of the storytelling.
0: I do like this movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I-, I, I feel like if you I, I feel like we should we should start starting the episodes with we really like this movie. <laughs> we don't really tend to watch movies that we hate because we have to wind up watching them a bunch and thinking about them a bunch for this movie, and honestly, that would be fucking torture.
1: I just like to demand high quality out of the things right. that I love. like,
0: that's also, I think, one of the founding principles of this podcast, is that, like, you could love something and also ask more of it.
1: Absolutely. You know, I
0: feel like as people who enjoy media and enjoy critically dissecting media, it's our job to ask our media to keep getting better and more complex and more challenging in that way
1: if you really want to see what we do to a movie that we don't like subscribe to our patreon there will be bonus yeah episodes and there us. and
0: there will be blood and well and the dogs are yelling so that's probably our cue to end the podcast thanks so much y'all